I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe Dostasio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. Today we are discussing the first-person narrative adventure game, What Remains of Edith Finch, developed by Giant Sparrow and originally released on PC and PlayStation 4 in April of this year, which is 2017, and on Xbox One a few months later. As a reminder, this is a spoiler cast. Nothing about this game is off limits. So if you haven't played this game, you you might want to go do that first because we're going to spoil everything for you. And you should go play this game. I, I know we're going to get into our overall impressions soon, but I really like this game. <laughs> Plus, it's two hours long, guys. It's not going to take you long at all. That's a movie. Yeah, it, exactly. Movie length. All right. So, Joe, this game has a somewhat interesting title, it doesn't really tell us what it is. Can you tell us what this game's about? The story revolves around the Finches, a family that believes that they are cursed. Bad things happen to them. Most of them seem to die at a young age or, or you know, strange circumstances. Now, you play as Edith, who's a young woman and the last surviving member of the family. She's returned to her childhood home that's long since been abandoned and starts to discover the stories and secrets that her mother had kept from her. That's That's the premise here. All right, so let's we we always like to jump into our overall thoughts. Did you like this game? Did you dislike this game? And and if so, how much? I like this game. I thought it was a good game. Good uh good gameplay, good story. I didn't dislike it. I think that I was prepared for an a, a more emotional impact at the end, and mm. I didn't really get that. I'm not yeah. sure why. When when I was talking with my wife about it this morning, I felt compelled to answer the question that I'm sure that she was about to ask, and that was, no, this game didn't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> I had wondered. That was, <laughs> was going to be one of my questions, yes. But despite the fact that it didn't hit emotionally that hard in any particular area of this game, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed this game. What did you like about it? Basically everything, absolutely everything. I thought the story was really interesting like the overall story plus all of the the mini stories mm-hmm. even more importantly i thought the writing was phenomenal like i'm not sure that i've witnessed writing of this high a caliber in any video game that i've ever played period it, it was just written so well like i mean it it felt like reading a really well written novel and like it, I, I've, I've not experienced that level of writing in another game. I thought the graphics were really pretty. There was plenty of detail where it made sense. The house, I mean, it's a, it's a wacky house. Like I, I, I can't say it looked like such a real house because no one builds a house that looks like this. But in the main part of the house, like this looked like a real house. This looked like a lived-in house. This looked like it really worked for me. It does sort of seem misleading how how grounded in reality it seems at first. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you come up on that house and it looks like something out of a children's book. <laughs> right. <laughs> Once you start realizing that, I mean, it looks like a house that's been renovated or added on to over time. Mm-hmm. And there's just like rooms and towers that are added on just on stilts. Right. On top of the, on, right. on the side into the top of the house. No one would actually build a house like that, but. And that, I think that extends to the stories as well. Like a lot of them seem kind of grounded in reality, but a lot of them, they have this sort of fantastical nature to them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it kind of bounces around, but in ways that I think worked, like never, never once did I feel like the story just 
was too out there for it to really work. Maybe with the one exception being Molly. <laughs> <laughs> which is strange because she's the first one. Yeah, I, I which I I really wondered why they chose to put Molly's story first. I mean, I guess it works mostly in terms of trying to do the stories in somewhat of a chronological order. She is one of the first people to die in the family, but her story is just so weird. I think that was, if I had to list something that I didn't like about the game, I think that might be one of the things where I I really enjoyed that part, that sequence, that Mm -hmm. story. And it was almost like the game was front-ended, you know, like front-loaded where a lot of stories didn't do as much for me. And so it was like this fantastic opening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it kind of led to maybe a slight disappointment as as we continued playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a couple of stories in there that are pretty short, maybe don't wrap up. You know, I'm thinking specifically Milton, like his story just, it doesn't end at all. Oh, well, because he's, he's the missing kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I really like the, I like the variety of the stories. Mm-hmm. And not just in the types of stories that were being told, but in the gameplay also. I was expecting to going into this that this was going to be a walking simulator and it's mostly going to be walking around the house yep which is what it starts out as Mm -hmm. but i was very surprised and pleasantly surprised when all of a sudden i was a cat in a tree (laughs) and then an owl hunting rabbits and i mean there's just and then a shark rolling rolling down down a cliff (laughs) (laughs) and and there's just even more crazier things later on in the game so that was cool they send you in so many different directions in terms of things that you're doing as the character and it still does them all quite well. Despite the fact that like, as I was walking up to the house at the very beginning of the game, I, I was noticing just how well everything was done. Her movement as she walked felt really natural. Her movement as she walked up the steps felt really natural, which it frequently doesn't in video games. It's just the camera moves up and the the camera movement combined with the sound of her walking up the steps, all of that worked so well. And a lot of that was far less noticeable when you got into some of those other crazy things like jumping from limb to limb as a cat. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I was going to say, or crawling across a boat as a monster, but I thought it worked really well I as a monster really too. Yeah. One thing I noticed almost immediately is that unlike most first-person games, shooter or otherwise, you can actually see your body Mm -hmm. in this game, not just your hands. Right. And I looked down and I thought, am I pregnant? Yeah. I can't see my feet. That's a big belly. Am I I pregnant? And it turns out you are. And yeah, it it, it wasn't too far in that we do get that confirmation that, Mm -hmm. yeah, that that is the case here. Right, 22 weeks. Yeah, I really really like the house. I love, like one of the, Buying a house is an awful experience, mm-hmm. but the best part is when you're going out and looking for houses, shopping for houses, you get to see all these cool uh, different places and and see how people are decorated, especially if somebody's still living in the house. You know? Right. And uh, you, you start to imagine how, how it would be with you living there. And I felt that way throughout this whole exploring of this house. Mm-hmm especially like secret passages and stuff. I'm like, this would be so sweet to live (laughs) in. (laughs) So we talked a little bit about some of the the individual stories that we liked and what we didn't like. Which story would you say is your favorite story uh, out of all of these Finch deaths? Well, I initially was thinking 
Molly's story. Just because of just how it's a 10-year-old girl writing in a diary. And she starts off with, I'm going to be gone soon. Yeah. Which is a little strange. But let me tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> and, but, and then, as we've already alluded to, she starts being different animals. And ending, ending with the monster is just so cool. Because, you know, the thing with having all these different types of gameplay is that it takes a little bit of time to figure out what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. And, and controlling the monster was a little strange at first. But I realize you're just you're you're moving your tentacle, your right. tentacle out, and you're able to move it however you want, in any direction that you want, and then wherever you leave it, if you push the trigger button or whatever, right. you're like dragging yourself to that position. Mm-hmm. So then I very quickly learned how to move around and start killing people on the ship, yeah. um, and 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 that was a lot of fun. But I think I think I ended up settling on Lewis actually oh. as my favorite. Now, Lewis is the, he's the, he's in his early 20s. He's the drug addict. He works in the the fish canning. The cannery, yeah. Facility. And so his, his gameplay is working, working the line, right? You're, mm-hmm. you basically have a hand and a fish comes in <laughs> and you grab a fish, shove it off to the side. Its head gets chopped off by some machine. <laughs> and then you toss the remains of the fish. I assume is the good part that you're actually canning right. up onto a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. And you just do that over and over and over again. Like you're mm-hmm. working an assembly line, but also While the psychiatrist is giving you narration. Right. So he's, he's a recovering drug addict and he's been seeing a psychologist and she's reading from a report about his progress and, and how he's doing. And it talks a lot about his building up this imaginary world where he has a much more interesting life. Mm-hmm. It feels like an RPG from, from, you know, like a video game type of thing mm-hmm. where he's like a, a knight or he ends up being like a king kind of right. character. And he's capturing cities and, you know, people love him and cheering for him. So you're actually controlling both things at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're you're always moving these, these fish, cutting their heads off <laughs> and putting their bodies onto the conveyor belt while simultaneously controlling his character from a third person perspective right in this game that's like in his imagination that's sitting on the corner of of the screen mm-hmm. so from a gameplay perspective this is kind of interesting because you're doing two things at once and it almost gives you that feeling like you are working an assembly line yeah. at some point it just became automatic mm-hmm. right like you're just moving this fish along and that has got to be a boring thing Oh, yeah. And I can imagine just coming up with these things right. <laughs> and being really focused on that. And, and, and just the whole working is just completely automatic. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt like I could relate to this character hmm. more than the others. Maybe it's an age thing. But I guess I can see, I can envision myself being in this situation, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. In a really monotonous job. In a really monotonous job and wishing to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and feeling like this life is kind of worthless and and not knowing, you know, wanting something more from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not surprised that that was your favorite. That's one of the most creative and, and interesting stories in this whole game, I thought. And and especially with the way that the gameplay around that all worked. Yeah, I just I just I really felt more so than any of the other stories I could I can see myself being in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't imagine I, I don't know what it's like to be a, a child actress, you know. A child star. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine living in my basement for thirty years. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that, those are all great reasons. Yeah, so that was that was my favorite. 
What about you? What, what, what was there one that stood out as being something you liked more or that had a bigger impact on you than any of the others? Well, if the question is favorite, then I almost said Lewis, but I think I actually enjoyed Barbara's more. Really? Yeah. I, I loved the comic book thing that was going on with it. I loved the comic book narrator guy. <laughs> I thought that was so much fun. I actually kind of liked the way that you don't really know how she died. Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? Yeah. It's strange, first of all, to come across a recording of someone's death in the form of a comic book. Yeah. And that's being kept around in her <laughs> sealed room. Right. Of all of the things that would have been written about your child's death, you kept a gruesome comic book? That can't be accurate, right? <laughs> right. So, I mean, what could it, what actually happened there? Did she die from this hook man? Like, is this a serial murderer who is out and just happens to stumble upon this? Is this a uh, this house? Is this a crazy fan? Mm-hmm. It, but, like, the comic book shows that it was actually... I don't even know. We're, they were monsters. There's like a werewolf and a mummy and stuff. Like it looked like <laughs> right. it looked like uh, old horror movie characters, yeah, the right? Characters from the movies that she played in, right? But are we supposed to think that these are her friends that are dressed up still, trying to get her to to scream? Is is her boyfriend what's his name? Rick. Rick. Is he the one who killed her? Oh, that's the easiest answer, right? Right. I mean, it, it's always the boyfriend, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think. There there would obviously be more things known if this was real. If this was real life and she'd gotten killed by the hook man, there would probably be some obvious evidence of her getting killed by someone with a hook for a hand. Sure. Or I don't think they even said, was her body found or did she also disappear? I don't remember. I don't think they really said. And that would also give you a lot of hints as to how it is that she actually died. And I, I think the the creative director and the, the story writers and all of that intentionally wanted you to just figure out what you think works best here. Like the the boyfriend is an easy one, but that's kind of lame. <laughs> I, I think I, I think your three main options are the boyfriend killed her, Hookman was real, and Hookman killed her. I, I guess four. Crazy fans dressed up as monsters and they killed her. Or Real monsters. <laughs> and I'm going with four. I like option four. You like real monsters. Real, kill real monsters. Hey, yep. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in this game. So, I mean, if Molly died from a tentacle monster coming into her room and eating her, why not? So what's, what's, what's interesting is being that you're, you're Edith coming much later than all this happening and that no one's told you about all these stories, a lot of them happening happening a long time ago, mm-hmm. you are just relying on whatever pieces of information you can find. Right. Molly's story that she wrote down before she died, I mean, this can't be like a, a post-death, like, this is what happened to me. Right. So, like, how, how, much, of, how much of this is real? How much of it is, is you know, just imagination? Yeah. And I, I think a lot, and I think that's true in this case as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Barbara. Oh, well, and it definitely is since you're reading a comic book interpretation <laughs> of it. So those are the ones we like the most. What was your least favorite story? Nothing really stood out as being, I just, ugh, I didn't like that at all. But there were a couple that were hard for mm-hmm. me to to get through. I think we're going to be going in the same direction here then. Gregory. Yes. 
Gregory the poor baby. Uh-huh. Like, as soon as I found my, well, as soon as I saw that crib walking through the house, I'm like, oh, no, we're going to go, okay, we're going to do a baby now. Okay. All right. Well, and if you had been paying attention to the family tree, it shows. Oh, yeah, that too. It shows the years of their birth and death. And there's a one-year-old. And he was one. Yeah, but then as soon as I'm in the bathtub, sitting Mm -hmm. in a bathtub, I'm like, no, 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 no. Yep. Because every story is as I'm starting them and constantly throughout the story, I'm thinking, oh, so this is how I'm going to die. You know, with Molly, it's, oh, so I'm going to fall out the window and die. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm going to fall out the tree and die. Mm -hmm. Nope, I didn't. Or with Lewis. I'm going to choke on a piece of seal. Well, (laughs) or with Lewis, like I thought as he was walking up the tall ramp and suicide or something like that. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, I was obviously wrong. Mm -hmm. But with Gregory, you just know right away at the beginning. And that is, I mean, I fortunately don't personally have any stories of anyone that i know that's been impacted by that but that's a very real yeah story. absolutely i mean that's i mean having two kids now and having them past this age mm-hmm. yeah i mean you get so paranoid yeah about water and the bathtub right. and it's made all the worse because it's actually a really fun sequence yeah of this kid with this crazy imagination and orchestrating all of these toys flying mm-hmm. around and making music and Somehow he accidentally turns on the water to the bathtub while the mom's distracted and, right. and just fills it up. Yeah. I, I love the I love the idea of, of him orchestrating. I, I, that, that was such a perfect word choice, I think, because it does feel kind of like that. And, you know, with with maybe the frog being the, the first chair violinist. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it was it's a really tough scene for all the same reasons as you. But that that dichotomy of it being such a fun little experience to play for a little while, just to play the way a baby can mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Were there any others that were maybe tough to get through? Uh, there was one that I was really, really worried about, and that was Calvin's. He's the one on the swing. Mm, yeah. And I was worried about it not for the reasons that you might expect. Okay. I was worried about it because... As a grown man, I can't ride a swing without getting sick. <laughs> and, and you have to actually swing this kid through the swing. And I'm like, oh, man, oh, no. I'm really glad this isn't a VR game. <laughs> that would have been really bad. Yeah, that was one that y- you knew what was happening. You knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you just did it. Yeah. There weren't really any surprises there other than the kid actually s- swung around. Yeah. The the thing. Well, you did it. like a couple of times two or three times and his skin didn't turn inside out i thought that was what was supposed to happen when you actually get the swing to go all the way over the bar but see the problem with this one too is that the story that we are reading is from the point of view of the brother right he's it starts out with something like this is how i like to think of him Mm -hmm. so how you know how much of what we played is true right did he actually just swing and did he just like jump off the swing into the maybe just swung real high and and fell off but According to the story that we played, there wasn't really nobody around to even witness it. Well, right. And and that's the case for most of these, really. Yeah. But the story of What Remains of Edith Finch does present these as stories. They are stories. These are right. like folk tales that people would pass on from generation to generation about crazy things that have happened. They're not quite so folk tale because they're not just verbally spoken and because they're not so old. No, when I think of folk tales, True. I think of things from hundreds of years ago. Right. But 
that's how it's kind of told. And, and I, I really like that feel to all of these stories. As far as gameplay goes, there was one that stood out as, as not being very fun. And that for me was Sam, who is out uh, on a hunting trip with Dawn, who is mm-hmm. Edith's mother. And you're taking pictures and things. I had such a hard time with this. I spent so much time trying to f- like find different focus points mm-hmm. on the camera. And, and I didn't you know what I was going for. Right. I didn't know what I was trying to find. So I'd focus and go, that looks interesting. I'd take a picture and then it would just be discarded. Yeah. And you got to try again. And I got really confused because at some point it switches perspective so that you're playing from Dawn's point of view. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea I was even looking for Sam. I'm looking for this girl somewhere. (laughs) And I didn't even, you know, it took me a while to find him. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that sequence, when Dawn's, you know, crying over the the buck. Yeah on the cliff and you're supposed to be setting a timer yeah. on the camera. And then instead of controlling the camera, now you have direct control over Sam's movement. Mm-hmm. And then you have to like make your way up behind a cliff. You can no longer see yourself anymore <laughs> as you make your way behind and then come up. Like I, it took me a few tries to get through that. And I didn't mm. find that very satisfying. Um, so from a gameplay perspective, I think that's, I think that's the weakest story, even though some stories don't even really have any gameplay. Right. But I think this was worse than that because I had gameplay that was not very fun. Yeah, I didn't struggle uh, very much with the timer scenario at the end. But yeah, when you switch to Dawn controlling the camera and you're supposed to be taking a picture of her dad peeing on a tree, yeah. it, that took me a while to figure out mm. what the heck I was supposed to be doing there. I thought that Sam's death was, it was one of the most surprising ones, I thought. Yeah. That is not what I was expecting no. to happen at all. Mm-mm. What? Yeah. What, in your opinion, is the overall theme of this game? Would you agree that there is one? Would you agree that the developers in writing this story have a message that they want you to walk away with? If they do, I didn't get it. Okay. We learn throughout the game that, so she's pregnant, Edith is is pregnant, and she's actually writing a journal out herself. Mm -hmm. She has her own book entitled Edith Finch. Right. And she's writing these down for her unborn child. Mm -hmm. And actually, I didn't realize this until I went back and reviewed some of this, but Mm -hmm. the opening, it's not her. I know. I didn't notice that until I rewatched the beginning also. The opening on the boat is not her. It's her kid who has her journal after it's already been completed. Mm -hmm. So we got some time jumping going on around here. Right. And apparently the curse has continued because he's also got a broken arm. Well, so maybe. Did it look like a cast? Because. Yes. Oh, it's definitely a cast. Is it? Because she is constantly wearing those like arm warmers. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if maybe it was just that passed down. No. Why would you only do one arm? It's a cast for sure. The ending sequence. Well, not the ending ending sequence where the kid comes upon her tombstone Mm -hmm. and we realize that the character we've been playing has died. But before then where it took me a while to realize that we're actually inside of a birth canal here uh-huh. and that we actually have to try moving, right? It's not going to, I had to move forward. Did you have to move forward? You're looking at me like you didn't have to do this. I must have, but it must have just come so naturally that okay. I didn't consider it that it Cause was Because I was just sitting was there doing. watching this abstract, what was seemingly an abstract image in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then the text just stopped. And mm-hmm. we haven't really talked about the text. Right. We haven't. We should, because it's pretty cool. But I didn't, I just, so then I realized I had to get moving. And then it's during this time that Edith is finishing up her journal. And here's, here's what she says. I'm still not sure what to tell you about all this. If we lived forever, maybe we'd have time to understand things. But as it is, 
I think the best we can do is try to open our eyes and appreciate how strange and brief all of this is. Then there's like a pause. She may have Mm. said some other things. And then ends with, this is where your story begins. I'm sorry I won't be there to see it. It's a lot to ask, but I don't want you to be sad that I'm gone. I want you to be amazed that any of us ever had a chance to be here at all. Do you think that there's a message or is this just gibberish? Uh, it's not gibberish, but I think the biggest thing that I took away from this game, and, and maybe this is one of the things that she, that Edith hits on in this last scene here, is tell your stories. Make sure, especially, that the younger people in your family know the stories. Because you don't know when you're going to die or when your your parents or your grandparents or any of that are going to pass on. And if the stories go with them, then what are you left with? You, you've only got fleeting memories. So get the stories, hear the stories, write the stories down so that they're not lost. That's what I took away from it. Interesting. After each death, how did you feel? Did you feel like, oh my God, or I hope that doesn't happen to me. I can't imagine going that way. Or like, what did you think? It kind of depends on the death. You sure. know, like when Sam falls off the cliff, that you know, it, it was more of a, I, I'm just shocked that it even happened. And, mm-hmm. and with Molly, it was a, what exactly happened? What, what that, what in the world just happened here with, with Walter, it, it was a feeling of, of just heartbreaking for this guy that this is how he ended up spending his whole life. And then when he finally goes to do something different, he dies. He gets hit by a train. Immediately. How does Edith respond or react to learning of these? You look puzzled because yeah. you can't think of it. You can't think of how she reacts. You're right. Does Nothing she? Nothing has, she doesn't. Do you think that is telling us something? Do you think that's telling in some way? I think, I think that maybe she's accepted this curse. Mm. And, this, and this is a question I'd like to get to later, but you know, is, is the family actually cursed? Right. Is there some sort of supernatural or mystical, whatever curse on this family that's causing these things? Mm-hmm. But from her point of view, it seems like she reads about these things and she's like, yep. And just moves on. That's true. And I wonder, there could be multiple explanations of that. One of them could be that for most of these, she's, well, for all of them, she's known that they were dead. You know, it's not news to her that they're dead. Mm-hmm. So she's probably processed the deaths of most of these characters well in advance of this, with maybe the exceptions being Lewis, her brother, and her own mother's death. But a lot of these are just, maybe ancestors isn't the right word, but half of these deaths or more are people that died long before she was even born. And even if they're family, hearing about some, you know, a family member of yours die 40 years ago, I don't think has the same impact on it as, oh, my brother committed suicide. Aside from Lewis committing suicide, let's take a second to think about the causes of death for all these people. Mm-hmm. Did they do something stupid? Are the reason that they died because they did something stupid? A lot of them are. What? Walter's walking down train tracks. Sam is not really being all that careful while he's standing on the edge of a cliff. Gus is out flying a kite in a thunderstorm. Probably not the best thing to be doing. You can't really blame Barbara for hers. <laughs> no. Calvin, 
Uh, that's 50-50, I suppose. Odin? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Odin's just kind of dumb. Well. Yeah, he's he's. If your reason to... for leaving is trying to get away from a curse, I mean, maybe that's dumb. But, but he's trying to float a boat across a raging ocean with a house on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can see how some of these things you could try to, you could try to find blame in mm-hmm. what they're doing. But I feel like a lot of what they're doing are things that you would just do and not even really think about. Yeah. And, and maybe in hindsight, you'd say that was really stupid. Yeah. But at the time, you may not think that. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things are just things that happened out of their control. Yeah. One of the reactions I might expect from somebody learning about this is, I can't believe it happened that way. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my gosh, this, is, this could happen to me anytime. I yeah. could just flat out die anytime. Right. Just, just that reaction. But she doesn't have that reaction. And it's not like we don't hear what she's thinking. Right. It's she's writing game. in a journal right. <laughs> and saying out loud all these things. But maybe those aren't the types of things that you would write in a journal. Maybe. Because I I got the impression that every spoken piece of dialogue of Edith's in this game isn't actually spoken. It's right. her writing it down. Yeah, I got that impression. Too. And I wouldn't necessarily write those things down. That's true. I feel like maybe what she's saying the message to her unborn child, because that's that's the that's the context in which this is written, right? Mm-hmm. The journal is that life is short and it's really strange. But what can you do about it? Don't be scared, you know. Don't worry about these things. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of mourning going on. You see a lot of celebration and acknowledgement. Uh, the fact that the house, <laughs> all these bedrooms are sealed off. They're kept in. They're kept exactly as they were. Right. Well, right. But they may isn't have been, that mourning? They may have been memorialized. But I'm saying it's more memorializing, and maybe that's a form of mourning. Yeah. Maybe that's just a uh, semantic thing. But she's saying just just be amazed. Just be amazed at what you see and mm-hmm. and what you experience, and don't worry about that all all that other stuff. Right. And maybe that's just surface level, shallow stuff that seems real obvious to you. And maybe that's why you didn't think of there being any other message to it. But I I feel like that's the message. I wouldn't say that that's shallow and that you know I'm overlooking it because I don't think it's good or something like that. Maybe it's maybe it has more to do with the fact that you know the last similar game that we played like this was Tacoma and Tacoma had stories coming out of its nose. I mean they were everywhere. There were all kinds of things that that game seemed to be trying to tell you mm-hmm. whereas What Remains of Edith Finch just felt like a a game that was made to really be able to tell a story of a whole bunch of other really interesting stories in a way that would be really interesting in a way that hasn't been done before and to do it well and that they did. But that there wasn't a whole lot else to it. You know, that there wasn't some big overarching theme to it. But the the theme that you walked away from with it is a great one. And it's it's one that would absolutely be the message that anyone in the Finch family needs to hear. <laughs> That's true too. Maybe she's writing this from a perspective of not just not just writing advice to anybody. Maybe it, it is, I mean maybe this is very specific advice to you because this family is cursed and right. this is what you need to accept. Right. You're going to spend your whole life hearing about how your family and you are cursed and you're going to die anytime like even more so than any other random person, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to have something crazy happen to you. Yeah. And you just, you can't, you can't live like that. You can't live in fear like that. Yeah, exactly. Cause I, I don't think that any of the Finches really lived in fear. 
No, I didn't get that impression either. Well, what about Walter? So Walter, Except for Walter, yeah, Walter after, cause he was, according to the comic book, he was present in the house during Barbara's murder mm-hmm. or death, whatever happened to her. Right. And it was, it was as a, re, as a result of her death that he has shut himself up in the basement. So why did he just go down? Like he, he went down and stayed down there. First of all, how does someone live in a room without sunlight? Ugh. For 30 years right. and not have any health problems and not need any other like people. Eating the same thing. Eating the same can day. of pears. <laughs> yeah. That was one of those things that was just, you know, fantastical right. in the, this, this, this is not realistic, but okay. Yeah. Sure. And cause he kept talking about a monster. He thought he heard a monster and that was the train that would always go by. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of, t- I think he was talking about how, you know, that could have been the monster that got Barbara. Yeah. Right. He was relating those two things together. Yeah. And it wasn't until after he stopped hearing the train, it seemed like he had stopped hearing the train for a week or something like that. And that's why he decided to leave and he was done with this. But then the train came and killed him anyway. So maybe the train hadn't stopped running. Mm-hmm. But and, to your and, point, and I'm still not sure that I would call him afraid, afraid because he seemed as you were playing as him, he seemed to be fighting that he was trying, he was, he was trying to be brave. Mm hmm. And well, well, I, I'm going to be down here and I'm going to, I'm going to do my things that I need to do. And that, and that's going to be good. And that, that didn't seem like, that didn't seem like fear was the motivating factor. Okay. But so in terms of an overall, I feel like there was an overall message and that's kind of, I think what they're getting at. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's what I read from it. And then I thought I was starting to think that, you know, if this, if there's this overall theme going on. And they're using all these stories as ways of getting you in that mindset. Is there some other commonality with all these deaths? I was thinking like, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 clear that these kids who have these bad things happen to them turn into a blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> right. They sucked up a pipe, go down the egg chute, etc. That they weren't good people. And that these things happen to them because of their behaviors. Right. And then they drive it home because there's a whole song and dance <laughs> and orange people dancing around. So it was real clear. So I thought, I wonder if there's something like that going on here. Is there some reason? I'm trying to figure out if this is a curse or not. And that maybe these are just people being stupid and this is karma coming back to bite them or whatever. But I mm. couldn't find anything. I couldn't, I couldn't see that commonality in there. Some sort of theme weaving through all these stories that would try to explain that. Yeah. I'm not sure that I see a common thread between all the stories either. Okay. I I think maybe uh, another thought on the idea of, is there some common theme for the whole story or some common theme running in between all of the individual stories? I get the feeling that the writers here, they wanted to let you figure it out for yourself. This was one of those stories where they weren't going to spoon feed you everything. They want you to take away from it whatever you can take away from it. And and I think some of that is borne out by having absolutely no idea at all what happened to Milton. You have you don't really know what happened to Barbara. You don't even really you don't know what happened to Edie and you don't really know what happened to Edith either. I mean you you can take a guess that it was childbirth, but you don't really know. No, I, yeah, I just kind of got that impression because of the year that she died. Yeah. It's the same year that this is taking place. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant. 
sure there could have been some other reason that she died, but, and, and yeah, it's not explicit, mm-hmm. but I just kind of figured it must've been childbirth or something like it. Right. So do you think then that this story, if you were to record it, which we did because we always do that for this podcast mm-hmm. to make sure that we uh, don't forget anything. Right. That if you were to play this for someone, just a video of you playing through the game, almost like watching it as a movie, do you think it would still work? Do you think it would still have the same effectiveness? I do. I, I, you know, as I was, it was it was probably after I finished last night, I, I was thinking to myself, like, I could see myself setting this up in the living room, inviting some family members over and just playing it with them. And I, I think it would totally work. Like most people would be pretty bored just watching one person play through a single player game. But I, I do think this totally, totally works. In fact, I did start this process with, with my wife this morning. I was like, you've, you've got to see this game. You've got to see the writing. You've got to see how this works. And so I did start to show her about the first 20 minutes of, of my gameplay video this morning. And she loved it. She absolutely loved it. So I think this could work. It helps at the length of the game. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. It is two hours. It's only two hours. And what's amazing is I was, I was sharing some of this with my family this mm-hmm. morning just trying to get a feel for what they were thinking about the things that were going on. And I realized that as I'm saying, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. I'm like, all these things happen in only two hours. Mm-hmm. How are they able to get all that in there? There's really just no downtime. But there is because you're exploring the house. Right. And actually, this is a good time to bring up the text thing, I think, where sure, they give you free reign to explore, but they're really guiding you along. Oh, yeah. In terms of closing off certain pathways, but also even if you do, do come across maybe an open area or a branching area they like show the on-screen text of the narration and it's not just subtitles right it's not just subtitles at the bottom of the screen right it's in the scene yeah and it's almost like you're interacting with it you know it'll be there and you approach it and it you know it might move a little bit and then as you pass it it flies away and Mm -hmm. so and then if you're ever getting if you're ever getting lost you can kind of like see the shimmer of that text further, further down. Right. It's really guiding you along. Yeah. I loved that. That really, I think that really helped, you know, just keep the pacing up. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I I would say for the most part, this, this could work as a movie, but I, I get, I go back to that Lewis thing and I feel like you'd be missing out on the actually feeling the monotony of doing the fish, Mm. of moving the fish over and doing it so much that it does become automatic. Yeah, that's that true. you are doing that while also simultaneously doing something else. Yeah. So, but every, I feel like everything else, though, yeah, probably works. You definitely would miss out on that, but there's so much else there to that particular story that I think it's still okay, even if you're not the one actually doing that. Do you think that this should even be a game? You know, if you're going to tell, if you're going to create a story-driven video game, mm-hmm. then there, there, there should be. A reason why you're choosing this medium right over another medium right you know why isn't you know why is this story not a comic book or yeah. a movie well and i think your your lewis example is the absolute best example for why this should be a game because having that monotony while also exploring this fantastical universe impacts you so much more turning the the handle on barbara's music box or when when you're Calvin and you're in the tree swing and 
you can mess it up. Like, yeah, I started by only swinging one leg. Sure, and, I did the oh, same thing. Oh, actually, I can do this with both legs. That's not how you swing. You That's don't swing not how with you one swing, leg. Right? <laughs> so I, I think all of those things combine into an experience that is more enjoyable. And I'm not sure that I would say more impactful because I didn't find this truly impactful, but definitely more enjoyable. I mean, is it so dramatically more enjoyable that it couldn't work as a movie? No, I don't think that. But it is more enjoyable as a game. And I'm really, really glad that it is a game or an interactive experience. Is that the correct word for this? Interactive experience. Let me ask you this. Is the family actually cursed? Sure. I mean, like curses, you don't even know if they're real, right? Like the step one answering that question is, do you believe in curses? If the answer is no, then no, they're obviously not cursed. But in universe, though, you know, this could be, a, you know, an alternate sure. fictional universe in which, sure. yes, there is. There are curses and tentacle monsters. So maybe, maybe because uh, there are some freak deaths here. And some freaky stuff happening for this family. I, I'm okay with calling it a curse. Okay. I'm absolutely okay with calling it a curse. <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm I'm a little bit of a conundrum because I totally think that superstitions are complete bogus. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I also love sports. <laughs> and when it comes to sports, superstitions matter. <laughs> like so I, I'm I'm okay with, with, with calling this a curse. Okay. I would say that there's no real evidence that there's a curse. If no. we if we could see other families, like because maybe this is maybe this just happens to lots of people right. in this universe. Could be. But this like is it normal to have this type of house? Oh, this house can't possibly be normal. <laughs> I mean the 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 one guy Sven he dies from building a, a dragon slide mm-hmm. and it it falls apart and kills him. Right. My next question is how do I get a house like this? <sighs> Well, first you win the lottery <laughs> and you find a really impressive architect. Like, I, you, you don't because there's no way a house like this actually works. I just want secret passages. The secret passages were awesome. Is that so much to ask? It doesn't like eight-year-old you wish oh, that you had a house like this. There was so much that was so dangerous, though. Mm-hmm. Like going up to the top of the house and specifically Lewis's place, I think is a boat. That's just up there in the sky. (laughs) And there's like this, it almost looks like a miniature version of the swings at an amusement park where you get a, you get a bunch of people in a circle, right? It's like a circular swing set kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's like no fencing or anything. It's just, (laughs) you could just easily slip and fall down 200 feet. Yep. Uh, So maybe not practical, but man, is it so cool? It is so cool. They, They really build an awesome house in this game. I did a little bit of research. Okay. And, I found that there actually might be a connection to the developer's previous game. Okay, so I don't I don't even know what their previous game was. Well, uh, I never played it because it is a PlayStation exclusive. It was uh, released on PlayStation 3 and I believe it was ported to PlayStation 4. And I haven't had a... I've only recently got a PlayStation 3 and I haven't checked this game out. It's called The Unfinished Swan. And Wikipedia says that it is a game set in a surreal, completely blank world in which the player, a boy named Monroe, is chasing after a swan that has escaped a painting. The player must throw paint at their completely white surroundings to reveal the world. Okay. If I were to say paint, painting, can you think of any character in this game who is an artist? Oh. 
who maybe has an unfinished story. Well, yeah, that would be Milton. I believe the connection is that the player, the character in the last game is Milton and that he has disappeared into this world Hmm. and that that's actually that character. That's really cool. So I thought that was interesting. Maybe we could uh, check that out. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk at all about Edie's story. Edie's story really stands out to me because every time that we play as a character, that character dies. Except for Edie, who is actually Edith, right? Edith Sr. Mm-hmm. This is who Edie, Edith is named after. Right. Great, great grandmother, just great grandmother, great, great grandmother. One, one great. One great. One X great. Well, we don't know if she died. Like, well, we... We know that she didn't die at the part that we played. Right. So the part that we played through was around the time that Edith, our character, is born. And there's been an earthquake or right. something. Yep. A little bit. Let's, let's, let's back this up a little bit. Because actually there have been two houses. Mm-hmm. The house that they originally came over in. Uh, which I don't know that they brought the house over. So maybe there are three houses. Well, I think that they came to America built the crazy house, then tried moving it. And that's when the shipwreck happened. There is, there are two houses in the game. Yeah. The one that you spend all your time in Mm -hmm. and the one that's shipwrecked just off the shore. Right. So that's, they call that the old house. Mm -hmm. And this earthquake, whatever, allows the tide to really go out. Mm -hmm. And that is when Edie, who used to live in that house, had, you know, sees this as an opportunity to go check it out again because she thought she'd never see it again. So the part that we play is her walking out there mm-hmm. among the rocks and things, but it gets really foggy and she gets lost, eventually finding the house. But the story gets interrupted by Edith's mother taking the book away, the book that she's reading, right? taking it away. So we never actually find out what happens that mm-hmm. night. And then Edith and her mother leave the house. That's That's the last time they, well. That's the last time they ever see Edie. That's the last time they ever see her. They had talked about sending Edie to a nursing home. There were, you know, we see pamphlets mm-hmm. and they talk about it. But when the staff came to pick her up the next morning, she wasn't there. Yeah. So we never got resolution on what happened there. And the thing that we played through wasn't, had nothing to do with her death. Nope. So it, it, it stood out. As far as we know. As far as we know. Maybe she was a ghost after that for but a while. But it was, what, 10 years prior? Yeah, something like that. Because at at the age of Edie and Don leaving, sorry, Edith and Don leaving Edie's house, she's like 10. I think so, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's seven years prior to this game or prior to the current timeline. I don't know. if I don't see anything there. I can't find anything there, but it just stood out mm-hmm. to me as something that was just a little different than the rest. Yeah, that you actually played as someone who didn't die while you're playing as Yeah. Them. Yeah. Although I guess Molly didn't actually die. What do you think actually happened to Molly? Well... Again, they don't tell you like how she's found or if she's found or anything right. like that. So there's, if she was never found, then she got eaten by a tentacle monster. <laughs> if she if she was found, she was probably poisoned by those berries that she ate. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing. They made a they made a big point about it all started when my mother sent me to bed without dinner mm-hmm. and I was so hungry. And she's eating gerbil food. She's eating a <laughs> right. tube of toothpaste. <laughs> She contemplates eating her goldfish. Probably the holly berries that she ate because holly rhymes with Molly. So that's how she died. Ooh. Got it. Oh, that's it. I solved what Crime remains. Solved. We are good detectives. <laughs> well, you're a good detective. 
Well, that wraps up our discussion on what remains of Edith Finch. Thank you for checking out this podcast. And and we want to know what you thought of this game. Did you like it as much as I did? Do you have alternate theories on what happened to some of the characters? You can send all of your thoughts and feedback to us through our email address, storyplayers at the digitalmediazone.com. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG Storyplayers. Our Twitter handle is also VG Storyplayers. If you want to follow along with Joe and I, we're on Twitter. I'm at Josh Pollard. Joe is at What Color Joe. If you like what you heard, maybe you just are checking out this episode because you wanted to hear a discussion on what remains of Edith Finch. We play lots of story-driven video games here. We've played through Mass Effect Andromeda. We've been covering Life is Strange Before the Storm. We've covered Tacoma. And there's plenty more to come. So make sure that you are subscribed. And then if you want to share that with other people, other than just on Twitter or Facebook, then we would really appreciate it if you'd head on over to Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you're subscribed and leave us a rating or a review. This has been another episode of Story Players. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeStazio. Adios. See ya.